BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. I'm hoping the Big Ten has to modify their system for us. <laughs> Probably like getting grade 10 sandpaper rubbed on your face every day. I mean, we say it all the time, whether, you know, there's two types of turds, you're a sinker or you're a floater, but you're still a turd, right? I mean, um, we're, we're, we are about players and players playing the plays and not necessarily the plays. Welcome to the Varsity Club Podcast. My name is Derek Peterson. I'm happy to be joined this week by Hill Varsity's own Greg Smith. Greg, hello. How are you? I am very well. I'm happy to be back on the pod, man. It, it feels like it's been a long time. I don't. It probably hasn't, but it feels like a long time. It has been um, quite a bit. I haven't gotten to talk to you in person. Like we texted a little bit when you sent me this, but I haven't gotten to talk to you in person about this top ten list of rappers that you sent me <laughs> yeah. uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, Will Compton shared his ten greatest rappers of all time. And you sent me the list, and I'm sure if people listening to this have seen the list, they uh, will disagree with the list in some <laughs> form or another. Uh, but we're not going to flame Will Compton because, <laughs> you, you, you know, it's his opinion. He's entitled to his opinion when it comes to art forms, which music is. Everybody sees things and hears things a different way. That's fine. But I do want to ask you real quick because I was talking to my wife about it. Mm-hmm. and she was like, who would be on your list? And so I said, okay, well, I feel like there are a handful of musts, like guys that or people that have to be on a top 10 list, regardless of who you are. They're indisputable top 10 people. And I was running through, and I got to nine. <laughs> I got to <laughs> okay. nine must-haves, and I, made, I said, Kanye has to be on there. And she stopped me, and she's like, wait, Kanye? Why does Kanye have to be on there? And I was like, what, why? Because it's Kanye. Kanye has to be on there. Um, and I'm so, so now I'm curious because I have nine and I, I will be happy to share them with you if you want to hear them. But do you have like a group of musts that are on a top 10 rappers of all time list? And how many how many do you have if you have a, a group? Yeah, I, I so after this, after seeing that list from Will, I did jot down some names and I got. I probably got to a seven, a strong seven. It's funny in the first version of like just kind of quickly off the top of my head running through it. I did not have Kanye on the initial list, which is bizarre for me. Uh, but he would be on there. Um, but yeah, it, it probably a, a strong seven. But really, the ten that I would have, I, I don't know how many of them you're arguing with. <laughs> like to be honest, like it's yeah. really there. There are a, a strong group of people that you're just like, okay, that guy has to be on there. Like just has to be, like you're not gonna make one of these lists and leave like Biggie off of it. Like it, that would just be an example of someone. It, it would just be weird. Yeah. Okay. Here's here's my nine. I'm curious if you have if you quibble with any of the nine. Okay. Eminem has to be on it. Yeah. Biggie has to be on it. Correct. Tupac has to be on it. Agreed. Jay Z has to be on it. Kendrick has to be on it. Lil Wayne has to be on it. Nas has to be on it. Hmm. J. Cole and Kanye. 
we have one quibble. Uh, I I would not have J. Cole on there. I am not a big J. Cole fan. Um, really? I don't know why. Yeah, it just it, he doesn't grab me in the same way that he does other people for some reason. There's a couple songs here and there that I'm like, hey, that's that's really dope. But uh, the one that would well, there's two that would have to be on there for me that you didn't mention. Um, Black Thought and Andre 3000. Those are two that I always, if I, and then whenever I make lists like this of greatest rappers of all time, those two are definitely always on the list for me. Andre um, 3000 would be in the 10th spot. Yeah. But we, I mean, but you can get to, you can get 10 really fast. Yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> really fast. None of, like, but half of them, not that Will Compton name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry my my wife like mgk is is might not be top 50 um, <laughs> right if we're being completely honest um when my wife and i were talking about it she's like well, i mean like 10 you got i mean beastie boys at three is, is 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 too much but beastie boys for 10 we could have a conversation um she brought up nikki just in terms of like the way nikki okay. like moved um the industry forward for women. Okay. Um, Andre 3000, obviously. Snoop. Neither of us mentioned Snoop. Oh, I have him on the, my 10. He's in the 10. He, but he's one of the ones that I feel like people will debate a little bit. Um, but I think Snoop needs to be in there. What about Wu-Tang? I, didn't, I would not have them on there. Um, but man, they'd be just on the cusp be just on the cusp i would wonder though like i wonder who if like i feel like i'm missing someone as a female mc like i thought little kim queen latifah like there's a couple others that like that would be worthy of discussion like that that's an interesting one as well but Nicki i have Minaj always been so a big popular. missy elliott fan missy elliott yeah that would yeah probably missy elliott there we go people missy include i've seen these lists that include lauren hill like i don't know that i would i've seen them too yeah but, but if you can i think that and it's really wild considering like it's really just one solo album that we're talking about with her but which is just incredible this is i mean it's it's tough man you, like we said you get to 10 fast before we move on to the next topic i want to take a second and thank my sponsor fsc edge FSC Edge integrates AI technologies, case management tools, and augmented operators to optimally process patent documents quickly and accurately. FSC Edge supports some of the world's largest patent offices, including the European Patent Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. Hey, that seems like a pretty big deal. The team over at FSC Edge is always looking for new members to come on board. You won't be on the phone all day. You won't be customer-facing, which means no stuffy suits and ties. That's nice. You will be doing impactful work on a national scale and learning about patents. Folks who've worked with FSC Edge have all come away saying the same kinds of things. Affable, inviting, accepting, welcoming, easy to work with. Check out available jobs today by going to jobs at fsc.com. Let's talk about another list. The reason that I have you on the podcast today, I saw a tweet from on three sports this week that listed coaches on the hot seat. It's got a big bright red picture of Scott Frost right in the center of the graphic. Scott Frost is firmly on their hot seat list, but they have a few other coaches. And so i kind of just want to talk to you about the hot seat as we move into the season, who you think is on it, 
who if I sent you this tweet, so if there was any anybody on this on three list that you saw that you completely disagreed with, we can talk about that. Um, they also had Scott Satterfield on there at Louisville. And given recent comments from Jeff Brom about Louisville, I thought it would be really interesting to get your take on kind of what's going on with him. I'm kind yeah. of curious about your thoughts there. And maybe we can make Brandon's ears bleed a little bit as we talk about a former <laughs> Appalachian State guy. Um, so let's talk about Scott Frost first. Okay. Who, let off this hot seat graphic tweet for on three sports. They've got his record up there, 15 and 29. They've got his picture up there bigger than everybody else's. It's the biggest Scott one. Frost is the poster child for the 2022 college football hot seat. Where are you at right now? Do you think that the buyout reduction signals? Yeah. 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 Or do you think that Trev is like, no, let's let's cool it. Let's just see how the season plays out and we'll reassess next year. I think that if this was an outside looking in situation, if we remove like how deep into Nebraska football we are at this point and you were and this was and we switched the all of this, the variables and we put it at Auburn, for example, we would look at this and say, yeah, he's definitely the top coach on the hot seat and he should he should watch his back right i think that that would be kind of the natural thing and i think that's normal um and so i do think that even with all of the context and the what ifs i think that it's fair to put scott on that big of a hot seat and have that target on him um and the buyout reduction is really interesting to me because i think that it is something that is now when it first happened, it was a huge talking point, right? It was all people were talking about. Then we went through this run where Nebraska had a, I would say, a successful offseason. People will laugh and say they won the offseason again. I'll make the joke for you. Um, but that quiet there was substance this time. There, there was, was substance. substance this time. Like, and there actually was, like, I, I, I keep explaining it this way. I think Nebraska football and Scott Frost put itself in position to have a more successful season this year. I, like that's all you really can ask for, I think, coming out, out of this offseason, especially one in which if you had told me that they could do some of the things that they've done on paper, I would have never believed you. If, you know, landing O'Shawn Mathis, landing two quarterbacks that could probably start for you, um, land, bringing Mickey Joseph home, I think, which could prove to be the biggest thing of all. Uh, Mark Whipple coming in to be the new offensive coordinator on and on the list. Like I would not have thought Nebraska would be able to pull all of that off given what had transpired with the 50 and 29 before that because I thought that people would view Scott as more of a lame duck coach so they put themselves in position now he's earned all of this hot seat talk but they also have a path to be able to come back from that in large part because the schedule is so soft to start the season like it just really is like there's every time I look back at it I'm like wait a second (laughs) they've got a real shot here to start off the season pretty well even if they're slightly worse than they were last year yeah, the I uh, read the best endorsement of Mark Whipple that I think I've seen this past week. Um, Jordan Addison was talking at a at a quarterback retreat thing that he was at. It was his first public comment since committing to USC. And somebody asked him, um, when did he first think about leaving Pitt and transferring? And you can choose to believe him. You can choose not to believe him. But what he said was that when Mark Whipple left in December – he first thought about going into the transfer portal. That feels like a pretty big endorsement of Mark Whipple as yeah. a coordinator and as a guy who can um, who can put skill position players in positions to be successful. 
Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And it's funny that he came up because Nebraska had what three or four offensive or offensive line, they had offensive linemen, two uh, wide receivers on campus this weekend. I think every one of them that I talked to mentioned that they sat down with Mark Whipple and went over Jordan Addison film. So that's a good endorsement that he can now then continue to use and said, hey, he didn't want to leave me. <laughs> he could sneak that in there, too. That's pretty good. One. So here's another guy that was on this this on three hot seat list. And because of like the context in which his situation was discussed, it reminded me of Scott Frost. So Chip Kelly was on this list from UCLA, even though he just agreed to a contract extension earlier this year with UCLA, but his record is 18 and 25 and he won three games and then four games in his first two seasons at UCLA. And it was brought up that Chip Kelly had interviewed at Florida before he picked the UCLA job. Maybe he interviewed or he just talked. I don't know. I don't know if, if the, if it's one of those, like if the guy didn't accept, we didn't offer situations. I don't know if that's how coaches view this, but there was Florida interest and he was interested in Florida. And the, the way that it was framed was that if Chip Kelly had won three games and then four games at Florida, he absolutely would have been fired right away. He wouldn't have even gotten a third season at UCLA. He got a third season and then he got a fourth season and he won eight games. Scott Frost. It was also Florida interest. And I saw there's some reporting that has come out since like Frost has struggled at Nebraska. That was like Florida didn't believe that he was mature enough for that job or Florida wasn't like super interested in him, which by the way is bogus. It's bogus. Like Scott Frost had won 10 games in his second season at Nebraska. Florida would not be saying that. Right. But he didn't win 10 games. If Scott Frost had had this start, you think at Florida, do you think he would have made it four years? No. No. So what does that say about Nebraska? Does it, anything? Do you think it says anything worthwhile? Not worthwhile. I, depending on how worthwhile you think it is that they have more patience with a native son. Like, I don't know if, and, and I don't know how worthwhile that is, but I think that that's absolutely the case um, from anecdotal evidence and from Trev Alberts actually saying in his statement to, to keep, to retain Scott Frost, uh, he's one of us. Like, And so part of me though on that, wants to be like, hey, that's actually kind of cool that they're sticking with their guy and that we all too often in college football are quick to rip the Band-Aid off and fire a guy. The other part of me is saying, man, if he was somewhere else, this just wouldn't go this way, which can also be true. I think both can be true at the same time, which makes this a really unique situation. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. One thing that I've always been curious about, and for some reason I've never asked you, so I'm going to ask you right now, as a recruiting guy, do recruits notice that patience? Like, have you have you heard that brought up? Them talk about like 
them being committed to Frost or having patience with Frost or like him being quote unquote one of us. Like, is that, has that, does that ever get mentioned? Is it something that like resonates with any recruit that you've spoken with? No, the only time I think that that's ever really come up was it after the second year, maybe or during the second year when he, when he got that contract extension uh, <laughs> that was kind of out of left field. It came up then, um, it, only because there was so much talk, I guess, on the recruiting trail that he was going to get fired. That they gave him that extension and then that quieted that down. It came up then. Otherwise, it doesn't come up. And honestly, the thing that comes up now is how close they are. And that they just need more guys and more time. And he's building it for the long haul. Like, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of stunned that that continues to come up over and over again. But it comes up all the time still. They're close. They're close. They're close. Going to be on Scott Frost's tombstone. Um, who else on this list caught your eye? This list of hot seat coaches caught your eye? Uh, well, there's two of them <laughs> that really have my attention. The first one is Brian Harson um, at Auburn, and it's really we both laugh because really, it's a situation where it just doesn't feel like they want him to be the coach. Like it, yeah, like he's six and seven so far um, at Auburn. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. To jump from Nebraska to Auburn is like you're getting whiplash. You're getting whiplash because <laughs> you got one situation where the the program desperately wants it to work with the coach yeah. even if it hasn't worked so far you got another program that wasn't bad and they're like no. we have to find ways to get rid of this guy we have to invent controversies and invent extramarital affairs to get rid of this guy yes and that's Whiplash. what that's what makes it just yeah and it makes it so wild like the Auburn thing is just it it ended up making everyone look bad in the situation somehow like everyone involved in that Auburn situation because you've got like Brian Harson, who through no fault of his own kind of got caught up in this all but then like the administration and the boosters um by the way the players didn't look great when all of this was going on either because a few too many of them take it to social media to take shots at people like it was all a bizarre situation which makes me like kind of interested to watch them a lot more interesting than i normally would be to watch all for football this year um and so that'll be fun to kind of see that play out so he definitely caught my eye because if they're not good and if they start off like i, I don't know if they started off like one in three or something like that they're just gonna fire him and say that you know they weren't good so that's interesting to me the other one um for a little bit different reason for me is scott satterfield and so i don't I, I mean, I don't like Louisville football is not something I pay attention to a ton, but for this particular portion of it, it's really interesting to me because they really wanted him. They got him there. He had had success prior to this. It seems like right now recruits are buying in because they have one of the top classes like sneakily and one of the top classes in the 2023 uh, cycle. Um, and so it, it, whether or not that all falls apart, if they're not any good again and Louisville decides to move on from him, like I just don't know. And I also Louisville is a school that I wonder if they shouldn't have more patience. Like, I don't understand why they would be in the situation to think that they should be out here competing for the national championship on a yearly basis. That part of it is always really interesting to me because there are schools that just refuse to admit that. Um, and it feels like Louisville is one of them at this point. On Auburn, Harson feels like a, like a coach Boone. Remember the Titans where like <laughs> you lose one game and you're getting fired. Like that's kind of, that's kind of the way I feel about Auburn right now. Like the first game he loses, like he's getting left on the tarmac. Yeah. I mean, like. he could. <laughs> um, Satterfield is really interesting because Louisville, like, 
and I'm kind of like you. I don't I don't pay too close attention to Louisville, but I do know Malik Cunningham. Mm-hmm. I do know he's fun, and it seems like there's. It seems like that is the kind of player that they could really like build a not really a brand around, but they could build like a little mini identity for themselves for these few years that he's been there. Right. And I feel like if you wanted to just blast Malik Cunningham content into the college football sphere, that would help with your visibility and help with like the coolness factor of your program and maybe help on the recruiting trail. I don't know. Maybe. Um, Louisville just is like, what did they even, what was their record last year? I don't even know. I, I Louisville doesn't register on the, the map to me. And for and maybe that's that, part of the reason, maybe that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. With, it, for a program that had Lamar Jackson a couple years ago, a few years ago, and now has not to the same caliber, but a similarly entertaining quarterback in Malik right. Cunningham. I feel like they should be a little bit more fun than they are. Yeah, maybe that's what they need. And maybe they need that as they need an identity of fun or some sort of identity to begin with um, that people can rally around and that would make them more interesting and people would pay more attention to them. Um, and maybe that would help the administration. Um, there is one, the one guy on this list, though, that I, I've got to ask you about because we've got to talk about this because I saw him on the list and didn't realize that he wasn't already fired. How is Herm Edwards still the coach at Arizona State? I was gonna. This is the question that everybody wants to ask. Like, you know, I, why, you know why Herm Edwards is still the head coach at Arizona State because his best friend is still the athletic director at Arizona State. <laughs> like, that makes sense. <laughs> it is. It's remarkable. They so they lost their softball coach who won forty games this past season. They lost their softball coach to Texas A and M this past week, and all of Twitter was like, "We're done with Ray Anderson." Everybody's done with their athletic director, except for Arizona State. <laughs> they continued at like basketball wasn't very good, football. I mean, he's got especially if you look, he's right under Scott Frost in this on three graphic. So you see mm-hmm. Scott Frost's name, and then you see a fifteen and twenty nine record. Then you see Herm Edwards' name, and you see a twenty five and eighteen record. They finished eight and five last year. They weren't a bad football team, mm-hmm. like. I don't know, man. They got NCAA investigation going on, and he still has a head coaching job. And so I mean, many people are asking, why does he still have a head coaching job? It's because his best friend is the athletic director. And like, if the NCAA is looking into anything, that's what they should be looking into. That's amazing. Uh, I did not know that. That is amazing. <laughs> I mean, I guess you know, props for having friends in high places. But like, it's just weird. Like, this is agent in the NFL. Okay, but it's weird that you would have a situation where you've got all these assistant coaches that had to leave college football or, you know, you had to fire them. They're in trouble. You've got the NCAA looking down on them. Then it's obvious that the the NCAA has whatever they need to have uh, to drop the hammer on them if they want to, because you can really trace all of that stuff, especially about the visits. Um, And it's really actually kind of interesting because it just comes up in conversations with recruits. If you talk to recruits that were in that 2020 class, um, or 2021, sorry, class from the 2020 season. They'll tell you, like, oh yeah, we. I, the only place I was able to visit was Arizona State. Like, weird. Like, there's a guy on the Brass's roster right now that said that to us in the spring. So, like, it's it's just a really interesting situation that 
I mean, it's not like they have to do much digging to figure out what happened at Arizona State. Um, but Herm Edwards is still surviving. And he's the, the other like kind of crazy thing about that situation, too, to me, is that he's obviously a pretty good coach, right? Like we didn't like when he got hired, people thought it was wild. And we saw like the funny videos right away. Remember him talking about the mascot and he was holding up the uniforms and he was like, wow, we can get this stuff on like all of that stuff. And you thought, OK, there's no way this is going to work. Well, actually, on the field, it's been pretty decent. It's just that, you know, they're cheating, allegedly, I guess. The other problem was that they lost a ton of people to the transfer portal because yes. it seemed like for a minute there, everybody was just bracing for Herm Edwards to get fired and they lost everybody and then had a, a crap recruiting class. And the administration's just been like, no, we're keeping him. Yeah, write it happens. out. Write it out. Write it out. Yeah, write it out. <laughs> um, Mike Norvell at Florida State. At what point is Florida State actually good again? Because my Miami's coming. Like yeah, I know a lot of people are kind of out on Mario Cristobal as a maybe as a developer of talent, but Miami is too good a program with too many resources to just continue to be kind of like floundering. Like they're going to be good, especially under Mario. I think they're going to be good under Mario Cristobal. So for Florida State, like you got to have some urgency there, man. <laughs> you definitely do, but I just don't I don't understand. To me, Florida State is rapidly becoming that program where we're like, why aren't they better? Like it's it just they're going to start to be the default answer for this. Um and I don't know if it's if if Mike Norvell is the actual problem, if they need to get their NIL game stepped up, um, what needs to happen, but they've got to figure that out because you can't be, and it's really this in a way goes to all to the, all the, the big three in Florida, between Florida State, Florida, and Miami. Like those teams cannot all be bad. Like it just it can't be a thing. And you can't continue to have Alabama and Georgia just poach the best Florida talent now Ohio State trying to come down there more in other schools. Like it that it just can't be like that. One of them is going to have to rise up for if for no other reason than one of them will figure out how to be the team of that group that keeps the Florida talent home. Like one of them has to be able to do it. I think it's going to be Mario Cristobal because he's the best recruiter of that group. Um, but Mike Norvell, I don't know how much of a stomach they're gonna have for firing another guy this quickly because I think there's still paying the, the Willie Taggart buyout. Um, I think that's still going. Like, so I don't think they want to do this again, but boy, it's going to be dicey for him if they have a bad season. Does Willie Taggart belong on the all finesse team? Oh yeah. He's right. He's sitting in the club next to Chandler Parsons. Like he's, he's in there. Yeah. <laughs> he's in there. Um, there's some other interesting coaches on this list. Neil Brown at West Virginia. I didn't realize Neil Brown had already been at West Virginia for four years. Wow. It, it doesn't seem like he's it's been that long. <laughs> Jeff Collins at Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech is interesting because they're obviously in Georgia, which, surprise, surprise, has quite a few athletes that you can pick from in recruiting. But Georgia Tech can't really pick. Yeah, it's hard for, harder for them, yeah. They're 9-25 through his first three seasons. And they did something that – is like the opposite of what a lot of people in the specifically in the media want like middling programs with little tradition little tradition to do to try to resurrect themselves in a power five conference and that's play the triple option. Georgia Tech decided to go away from the triple option and it has not worked <laughs> at all. Nine and twenty five. I think they've won seven ACC games in three years. Not great. Um 
Chip Kelly at UCLA mentioned him. Scott Satterfield at Louisville. We'll talk about Jeff Brown in a second, but first, mm. let's say the season goes poorly for Nebraska. Mm. Not forecasting like who's going to be available or who they could potentially get. On a scale of one to ten, how interested would you be in seeing Nebraska say, "You know what? Triple option. That's what we're doing." I would not. I would. Oh man, I would say. I would be interested just to see if, like, we finally make all the folks happy that that always scream about that. And there are people both in the national media, local media, and fans that all um, kind of proclaim that that's the way that Nebraska needs to go. So that that part of it would be interesting just to see if it worked. I don't think it would work. Um, <laughs> but it, it would be a fun storyline to see it all unfold. But, man... I I don't know. Just personally, I don't want to go cover out triple option football. Sorry. I know someone's going to yell at me. Um, Brandon. But, uh, Brandon's going to yell at me. Yeah, Brandon. He's a, well, it's an important person to yell at me. Um, but no, I would not want to see it, but I do think it would be interesting. Would it be easier, harder, or about even to recruit to a triple option attack based on where they are regionally and where recruiting is right now? I, I actually think it would be easier – to recruit to in a, in some ways um, because I think that you could find the quarterbacks because they're not as in demand, right? If you can just find the best kind of dual threat guy who's more uh, even more of a runner than he is a passer, I think I think you could find that. I do think that you could you could develop a like a pipeline of midwestern offensive linemen to be able to, to, to play in that and still like kind of supplement that with maybe some guys um, outside of the region. I'm always fascinated. And this has been a, a real strong local thing here about how Nebraska has fallen off so much at running back. Like they should always have good running backs. And I think that Brian Applewhite will do a better job. Um, and that running back room is interesting this year. Um, but I do st- still think you could get the running backs, but the big, the big change would be, all these wide receivers that Mickey Joseph is bringing in here that are just kind of seemingly tripping over themselves to get to Lincoln now, uh, that that would go away. Like, it it, it just would. Um, so, no, I, I mean, as I talk it out, it, you, could, you could convince me that it's at least interesting. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Yeah, Mickey Joseph's not sticking around for a uh, triple option offense. It's <laughs> no, not happening. No. Um, it does bring up like an interesting, I mean, I know we talked about this when, as Nebraska was going through the process of trying to fill out Frost's staff and find these new assistant coaches, but like, as you've, as you've kind of seen Mickey Joseph go to work and as you've seen 
what Brian Applewhite brings to the table, mm-hmm. um, what Raiola brings to the table. As you've seen Whipple at work. It does it does it feel like those coaches acknowledge that this is like potentially just a one year thing? It feels like there's urgency. I don't know if, but I don't know if if they would term it a one year thing, or if they hope that they can get two to have it fully mesh. And I guess that that way, selfishly, of course, they want that, uh, right? But I think that there there is definite urgency because I think that really all of the kind of goodwill that you build back up and the pushing resetting of the clock that you get with both fans, administration, and recruits of retooling and overhauling your staff like that goes out of the window immediately i think if you go out and win three or four games like i just don't i just think it's going to be really hard to well, not re- even that long if they lose that. to northwestern all that's out the window oh yeah i still believe that like we had a mailback question about that not that long ago like if the season is essentially over if they lose to northwestern i said absolutely um it's going to be miserable around here <laughs> if, if that were to happen um because, yes, that, that game is extremely, extremely important for them, um, especially considering what the, the games that they have following that to, like, games that they should win. If you can start off um, in Dublin against Northwestern Conference game and win it, that helps. If you lose that game, it, all bets are off. And it's but the wild thing is is on the if flip I try side to of that. Cancel the game the week later and just stay an extra week and <laughs> right. Like we got more sightseeing and educational things to do. Um, oh the, no, the plane <laughs> broke down. There's no right, planes left weird, to get home. Weird. No pilots available. They all left. Um, but on the flip side of that, though, you don't feel that way about Northwestern at all. Northwestern, if Nebraska beats Northwestern, you would still think, oh yeah, Northwestern might make a run um, at being able to win the Big Ten West. Like. Because Northwestern seems to bounce back from these things or have those early season struggles. Another team who could make a run at the Big Ten West is Purdue. Uh, Do you think this is Jeff Brown's last season? Do you think if that if that Louisville job comes open, based on what we heard Jeff Brown say recently with Louisville, he talked about he wanted to stick things out at Purdue. He didn't talk about turning down Louisville because he loves Purdue and wants to stay at Purdue for the rest of his career. He talked about timing. If I remember those quotes correctly, he's talking about timing. Well, it's been what, five years now? He was a year before Frost at Purdue, five or six years? Yeah, I think he was, I think he was the year before. Um, this is the best quarterback he's had. Aiden O'Connell. If they have a good year, makes it pretty easy for him to to uh, ride off into the sunset and uh, go back home and go to the alma mater and try to restore Louisville. Do you think they're going to have a good year? I think they have the potential to have a good year. Um, I like some of the pieces. I like the pieces that they have on defense. Um, and I always just kind of have faith that they'll be pretty good, at least on offense, just because he's really good <laughs> at coaching offense, right? Um, so I do think that they have a strong potential to have a good year. Um, and I, I really think that if they have a good year, he's leaving, going to Louisville, because then Sat- Scott Satterfield gets fired. And then Jeff Brom is the guy to try to salvage that recruiting class, uh, including, I think it's I think their I think their Louisville recruiting class is led by is it oh I I just lost the name the quarterback camp guy um, has a son it's like oh man I'm sorry this is awful podcasting it's Steve something Steve Clarkson 
maybe like something like that. He has a son that's a high, highly rated recruit um, at quarterback, and he's committed to that Louisville class. Um, and so he could come in and pitch to him, hey, you can stay. I've had great quarterbacks in my time, all the wide receivers that I've put into the league, all of that sort of thing. Um, and they could, they could make that thing work. I think that that lines up perfectly for Jeff Baum to ride off into the sunset because, you, I mean, there's only so far you're going to push Purdue. Pierce Clarkson. Clarkson, yeah. The four-star quarterback, John St. John Bosco in California. Only oh, so God. far you can push Purdue. Is there only so far you can push Louisville? There is. I made that argument earlier. That that definitely <laughs> that's definitely the case. Um, but Louisville's also home for him, right? So <laughs> that makes that makes a difference. What side of the what side of the ACC is Louisville on? Are they on Clemson side? You know, off the top of your head? If not, I can look it up. I do not know off the top of my head. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be it'd be interesting, depending on the kind of season that they have, because he hasn't had great quarterbacks at Purdue, but he's developed, yeah, um, useful quarterbacks, and he's developed guys that do what he wants them to do pretty well. I guess you're sometimes you're, by a nice weird rotation, right? Like <laughs> figure it out. I guess just by way of like geography, recruiting might be a little bit easier at, at Louisville. Um, but it gets into an interesting discussion, which is the better job because like, then you start talking about Iowa, Wisconsin is Wisconsin really what it was maybe five years ago are they on the downswing you could talk about maybe trying to like wait out kirk ferentz or at least take advantage of however long he continues to employ his son as the offensive coordinator (laughs) right um you've got nebraska that isn't nebraska you know if you're jeff Brom, you say well we could we could maybe win the big 10 west this year and then what does that do for my recruiting here Maybe I get another quarterback and we just run it back. Because the other thing is he's had no issue recruiting wide receivers and getting skill talent to come there. And they've gotten a handful of pretty high-profile defensive recruits to come. One of them just got drafted in the first round. Um, That's an interesting spot. The only thing is, is that I, I, I just wonder about the your year-to-year sustainability at Purdue because I do think it's more of a you can catch lightning in a bottle and go on a run. But those programs that you just named, even when they're not that good or they're not at the level that they're accustomed to being at, they can still be pretty salty. Like Wisconsin on the downswing is still going to be tough for Purdue to beat on a consistent basis. And the same goes for Iowa, right? Nebraska still is what it is. Ten West. Yeah, like it's just a, it's just tough. Like I just I feel like while and that's always the conundrum with the Big Ten West, right? Is that on one hand you're like, man, this is winnable. Like, we just got to get here, here, and here, and we can do this thing. We can go on a run. But on the other hand, it becomes incredibly difficult to actually pull that off because the teams are so jumbled up, and any one of those teams can really beat you, and you just never know which one it's going to be. Like, it's just an incredibly weird division, I think. So the part if – well, 
we should couch this because if part of the like the calculus for whether you stay at Purdue or go to Louisville or, or really like any job that's about to come open here in the next couple of years, divisions are about to go away. We're not going to have to deal with divisions anymore. Um, Louisville is on the Clemson side of the ACC yeah. at the current moment. So we've got Florida State, NC State, and Clemson that he would have to deal with over there if that remained the case. I don't know how much longer. Um, eight conference games versus nine conference games. I bet if you're a head coach looking to make a run in things, eight conference games looks a little bit better than nine conference mm-hmm. games, especially if the conference is strong. Um, like the Big Ten is. I can't imagine. If, if, you gave, if you gave every Big Ten coach the option of, hey, you're going to play eight conference games versus nine conference games, and you're going to have a little bit better chance of getting into the college football playoff. Like, I know that they've said that they prefer nine or even more. Some of them have. Mm-hmm. But why would you prefer that over eight games? I, I have no idea. In your non-conference. Yeah, I have no idea why you would want to do that. Like, I think if you just did a blind test and like, hey, here, everybody's going to vote. We're going to do a blind vote. Everyone votes. And then we're just going to do what the results say. I bet they would go back to eight. If it was anonymous, they would end up going back to eight. Is it is it just like TV money from the the extra Big Ten game that you think keeps it at nine? The I think directors so. that want to keep it at nine. Yeah, and if you if you if the TV deal is going to get even bigger, I do think that having that extra conference game inventory is worthwhile TV wise. I don't think it's worthwhile coaching wise. I wouldn't want it for that purpose. But it, but but at the same time, that TV money then helps them. So it's just kind of a thing that, that they just got to deal with. One more question for you, Greg, and then I'll get you out of here. One name that is surprisingly going to come available a job that's going to come open or a name that's going to become available in December of this year off the cuff. Who are you thinking? Man off the cuff one name. This is really tough. I'm going to go way way off. No, I'm going to go way off the board and say that this is Dabo's last season at Clemson. Whoa. I'll go way off the board. There we go. There we go. You started to say way off the board, and I thought Nick Saban. Yeah, I I think he's just gonna go until like he needs to go to a home. Like until he wins a national title. Like, what happens if he wins another national title? He wins the next one after that. <laughs> like I don't know what that that was. It's a fascinating thing because we definitely are at that point where if you're a recruit, especially at the level that he recruits, like man, if when he's recruiting Arch Manning. This arch, like, hey, coach, I, I just, I know you say you're going to be here, but I really don't believe you. Like, I just, that's just kind of tough. Like, he's, yeah, that would be really difficult to believe that he's going to be there for the next wave of guys coming in. That's fair. That's all I got for you, man. Thanks for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. It was good to talk to you again. Happy to talk about rappers and get your take on why you hate Kanye. Mr. Old Kanye. I I was thinking that in my head as you said that. Mr. Old Kanye. We'll be back next week with another podcast. In the meantime, keep reading HaleVarsity.com. Read all of Greg Smith's work. It's excellent. Go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe. Use the coupon code Varsity. Get your subscription. Yearbook is also coming out soon, but I believe at the time of recording this, it is uh, too late to subscribe to Hail Varsity. if I've got my information correct to get the yearbook, but you should still be able to pick it up on newsstands as, as an individual copy. Is that correct, Greg? That is correct. Yeah, when it comes out, cool. So find a way to get the yearbook in your hands. Also, 
Greg has his own podcast, the Straight Up Breakdown podcast. Listen to that every week. It's excellent. Subscribe. Leave him a review. Shouts to you guys for listening to this show every week. Shouts to Cam for producing every week. And shouts to Greg one more time for coming on this podcast this week. We'll talk to you guys next week. Huda Media Production.